Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Spilling the GNT podcast. You're here with Bolo. And Dr. Tom. Now we're here to give you the opinion you never really asked for. But we can think it anyway. That's right. Now Bolo here is a performer. Oh, and Dr. Tom's a psychiatrist. Hmm. And we're here to give you our professional, professional, professional review on RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race UK, UK, UK versus, versus the world. <laughs> so let's raise a glass. And start spilling the <laughs> podcast. Clank. Yes. Now we're going to get straight into it. Today's a very special episode because we got our first... Um, Tom would say, because he's been saying this all day, <laughs> celebrity guest on, <laughs> which oh is very, very God. true. <laughs> Tom, Tom has been. I don't want to tell you what Tom's been doing in preparation for today. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you on the spot, Tom. But today's a very special episode. We've got Joe Harwood here. Tom, do you know who she is? Indeed, I do. I've been following her work for a long time, and I'm very, very honoured to have Aww. her here on the podcast. Joe, do you want to introduce yourself and say a few words? Yeah, wow. I, I was like, because I've been out of sync with the world of Drag Race, not mm. technically, but when it comes to my work for about yeah. five years now. But back in the day, I was the first LGBT person to sort of integrate into mainstream mm. social media. And yeah. in 2013, I became the first ever trans person to win a psycho reality show because yeah. Simon Cowell, the diversion of Got Talent, yeah. um, hosted on... Uh, YouTube and basically mm-hmm. people remember Little Miss Jessie trying to speak in Patois in, in the <laughs> accent challenge going wrong but that was the behind the scenes of the show I won yeah. and instead of actually celebrating my win and telling everyone that I won a six figure cash prize bigger than anyone that won Drag Race uh-huh. or promoting me on This Morning which we were originally doing uh-huh. um, they actually pulled down the entire platform and didn't give me a mainstream push So I kind of was at the very genesis of the transgender discussion in the media. And it was something Mm. that I was really sort of disempowered by. And I think in the UK, it was confusing to a lot of people that have followed me because I was so arm in arm with all my drag race sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, I was part of the creative that designed the looks everyone was wearing from the hair drawn brows to the nose contouring. And I was the first go-to makeup artist on YouTube for LGBT people. Mm-hmm. So it was it was strange because I wanted all I wanted to do with YouTube was to transfer my skills into the mainstream, to be respected like everyone else in the beauty industry is. And that's like a long, long while to happen. I don't think it really just it didn't happen instantly. Um uh-huh. but now I'm here and I think for the last four years I've been designing products for people like L'Oreal. Yeah. Working with the person of Estee Lauder, I oh wrote the God. blueprint of the Pouge brand, so Chabot Gautier, Charlotte Tilbury, Caroline Herrera, Louboutin Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. I wrote those inclusivity guidelines to help people like the gorgeous Violet Chuchki or yeah. Miss Fame be mm-hmm. in those campaigns. So I really took the transphobia and then I twisted it on its head because you can't keep a good bitch down. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. You're a true pioneer in your field. I just remember you being like, you know, kind of when I became aware of your work years ago, uh, just so ahead of your time. And I remember you being kind of like the only person out there on YouTube who's doing tutorials on kind of androgynous makeup, drag makeup, makeup to help trans people. And it was just so inclusive and wonderful and so accessible as well. And what I loved about it is it was so like, it was so like gimmick free. It was like, it was it was delivered with authority um, and just on the strength of your personality and this kind of like cool and calm persona. And it was just so accessible. <laughs> like back when I was kind of like trying my best to fiddle around with drag makeup, you were my go-to <laughs> resource. Oh my God, that is so sweet. Thank you. Joe. It's, it's so, 
I, I, I can tell you exactly. I remember the day that you liked a photo of uh, on Tom's Instagram, which, you know, she would claim to her death. She's a, she's a mogul. She's a social media mogul. Apparently she was like, Bolo, Joe Harwood just liked our photo. Uh, oh, it's, it's she, very sweet. She she was she was up and down about it. I'm like Tom, it's catfish. <laughs> I was trying to. I was like Tom, it's not. It's probably a fake account. And Tom's like, no, no. Well, look, no. I'm on her page. I'm on the page. I was like, I was... blue tech, blue tech. <laughs> it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that because I didn't actually do my own social media. <laughs> oh, really? It may have been. <laughs> Uh, told, I told you Tom, I was right I was right no, have not been me <laughs> Thank well, you Whoever it was I'm thankful to them <laughs> It came from my name It was me And I do like your posts I think they're fabulous And you're wonderful you. No but I had to really Take a step back From mm. the social media world Because I felt that With the progression Of Drag Race Going global mm-hmm. It started to everything was judged through the lens of being a contestant on drag race mm. and a lot of the audience didn't know their gay history so yeah, when exactly. they looked at trans people um who were part of the working scene but weren't actually in drag makeup they felt like it was less the contrast wasn't turned up in the same way they would see a tricky mattel mm-hmm. so i felt like there was a miss there was a misconception about what I did in the drag race world. And mm-hmm. I couldn't really, I found like a lot of pushback. I went to America and I was approached to do, I was fine with the same management as Patrick Starr, Manny Way, mm-hmm. um, who are huge male makeup artists. Mm-hmm. And the manager actually told me that instead of doing Grace Jones, who is one of my inspirations, yeah. um, coming from a family of diverse ethnicities, coming yeah. from, as a queer person, it's important to reference our icons. Yes, um, she told so. me to do Justin Bieber. Oh, Please. And when I didn't do Justin Bieber, <laughs> oh it wasn't acceptable. Exactly. I wasn't I wasn't included in the press releases of all the queer makeup artists. So there was an active sort of agenda at play to sort of minimize people that weren't the male makeup artists because they mm. were making a lot of money with people like that at the time. So yes. I just decided I had to pivot. I had to go behind the scenes. I kept mm. up my daily posts, just like sharing my kind of like behind the scenes of life, but I didn't really use it as social media anymore. And that for a lot of people was confusing because they wanted me to be the character they watched. Because I had 1,500 videos in makeup tutorials. It wasn't yeah. just like I put out a couple of videos, but <laughs> I pivoted all but 150. Mm-hmm. So I made a conscious decision to pull back and stop it because it was all, lots of drag queens were inspired by my work from the different avenues I took online, but it was never the same. They never did the same success. Like I did such transformations and Google asked me to be the homepage. Like that was my stamp of approval. Like it was never done in the same vibe because it wasn't coming from that place of authenticity. Mm-hmm. So for me, taking a back step and working in the beauty industry was was important. And it's crazy because this last year I was invited to be a member of the British Beauty Council. So I can actually go oh. into things with authority. We're actually just talking to an MP about the treasury oh. and what they're funding the beauty industry with. So yeah. it it's in, it's incredible it's it's been a real it's been good in a way because it wasn't documented online mm-hmm. but i think like a lot of people don't even know your existence when you're not posting in the way they used that's to that's right is that's yeah. right and i i found it so interesting because you're saying in a recent video that you made quite a conscious effort to step away from the social media world because of those kind of downsides of it really 
Yeah, I just thought that there were so many people that I think firstly, I, I just turned 30. So it's not as if I'm I've been doing this since I was 20. I was actually 14 when I started. So it was like mm-hmm. I had this very sort of young approach and I made so many mistakes along the way, but I never really got the opportunity to just be a normal person. I know it sounds weird. It sounds like I'm over-exaggerating the excess of the social media world, but in the LGBT spectrum, it was so small in the UK that everyone up and down the country knew who I was before I even knew who I was myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never wanted to share my private gender identity. I never wanted to talk to people about gender dysphoria because I was going through that journey. You don't really want to see, you don't want to share that with the world. You want to kind of protect yourself from being vulnerable. And I think that, Nowadays, so much of my life just came um, to fruition just by magic. I, I'm so spiritual. I come from a very spiritual um, mm-hmm. kind of family, but things unfolded for me in a way that I could never have imagined. So mm-hmm. it was always like, just take a breath. And I, I've always looked at Naomi Campbell as sort of like a strange guy in light. It's so bizarre. But she <laughs> well, used to we say, should all um, look to Naomi yeah. for guidance, I think. <laughs> I think so too, even when you need to throw a phone at someone. I agree with that too. (laughs) But when you're like, um, don't be scared to ask people for things, because I've always asked people for work. Mm. And I think people are sometimes embarrassed in this country to ask people for opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you could do the job, that's actually making their job easier. That's something to be applauded, not ashamed or embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. And also let things, let the deck of cards fall. Don't think that you have to keep on going even when you're not, there to do it do you know what I mean like you have yeah. to have a breath and sometimes I just didn't I was working so much I wasn't sleeping you know oh, I was traveling back and forth to different countries all the time and it was just like I can't do this all the time this, I didn't have a normal life mm. and I met my uh, my partner Mark and uh-huh. things slowed down and, and yeah it was bad I love what you said about, I think a lot of the queens could do with um, taking a leaf out of the book, because you you just said that people knew who you were before you knew yourself. And I feel like a lot of the drag queens sometimes go into the show not knowing who they are or what they represent. And then they start getting told by everyone who they should be and who they think they're not. And they start getting a lot of like, for for example, I just feel like Laganja Mm. winning much too early without fully realizing she was a vulnerable the beautiful person, woman she? Yeah. that she, she was she was so vulnerable which yeah. left her open to so much attack and mm. it just I, mm. I think a lot of people just rush it so much that they just they really want the quick fame mm. they really want the quick fame that's so true and it's it's i think that there is an americanization of the 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 idea of fame that comes into that I remember when, because um, Adores, my sister, I absolutely love her. And she and I have done a beautiful editorial together that kind of became iconic. Yeah. Um, but when she went on Drag Race, I already knew who she was from being on American Idol. Yeah. So I knew that she had had a private story of gender dysphoria mm-hmm. and she was searching herself through drag. But yeah. I was known at that time as the mermaid, quote unquote. And all yes. I remember a thousand people drawing pictures to me as a mermaid because I don't even know how it happened, but it, but as soon as she went on and said, I'm a mermaid. Like marine wigs as well. Yes, yeah, and the yeah. red long hair. The yeah, red hair yeah, was my yeah, real hair. hair. I actually yeah. had long oh, hair. Right. Yeah. yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't even costuming. That was mm-hmm. my everyday life. And Amazing. I think they, the, the lens of the Drag Race fandom tried to make me and Adore not like each other because mm. she came out saying she was a mermaid and I was a mermaid because it's like watching a football game. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not yeah. like watching someone explore their identity in a show that's nurturing. It's pitting people against each other. And I already had yeah. a platform. 
So they didn't want me and Adore to be friends. And then when we came together and we did the photo shoot for Love Boy magazine together and everyone was like, oh my God, those two, they're not in competition. They're actually celebrating each other. One's mm-hmm. English, one's American, but very similar. And mm-hmm. we've been friends ever since. I love her and her cousin. They're darlings. I saw them when I opened Drag on UK. Um, it, it's different. Like, cause they, I think they really want you to be ready to go from before you're ready. And yes. I think that happens yeah. when you're a child star in music. I think it happens. Drag is just like a sort of caricature, magpie's nest of fame culture. It's yeah. the reality show before the reality show happened. Like it's it's different. But in England, I think they they were they let you be flawed, like a Jade Goody. God, God bless her. But yeah, she was soul. allowed to be drunk and naked on Big Brother in a way without yes. criticism because she was then applauded when she turned it into money. Mm-hmm. If you're someone like that on team mom in america yeah you are always under the shadow of being a failure i think that's interesting you can't escape it and i think it probably uh it represents a difference in values perhaps because like i I guess another parallel for me there is like how girls allowed really those kind of like adorable girl next door band and there were so many tabloid pictures of them you know falling out of clubs and we loved them for it but again i don't think that sensibility exists perhaps in in the us in the same way and i think perhaps you know obviously there's a huge swath of of political um and religious uh opinion in the us but <laughs> there is that like core at times of kind of like the religious right and i think puritanical values at times and sometimes that can lead to be people being torn down or not tolerated mm, well absolutely. i know that first time my granddad yeah. I'm actually at my family's home at the moment. So this home was my granddad's home. And my granddad actually was an evangelical mm. preacher, essentially. So on one side of my family, we were very religious. And I have a very big insight into that world. But mm. the contrast, I think, from most LGBT people's perspective is that I saw the kindness. I mm. saw the hospitality. When I was a kid, we would go around to people in need and give them food and stuff. So yes. I was always brought up on one side not with a harsh and exclusionary religious mm-hmm. perspective. I always thought the best of them, even though I was a child and they passed when I was still quite young, so I wasn't fully in me, in me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they would have loved me regardless. So yes. I get what you're saying. I think it's more, because America is such a complex place because the division between the States and the South and the North yeah. is economically confusing at the best of times. And I think that plays into it but. Back to Laganja, um, mm. she is a sweetheart. Um, mm. She wanted to get out of her experience, I think, through drag. And sometimes when you're running away from something, you fall over. Yeah. And we were so happy yeah. to see her moment on All Stars 6 when she was really celebrated for the amazing performance and beautiful woman that she is. And it really like pressed the reset button. And like, Absolutely. I think in a lot of people's minds, obviously she's been working and working... Uh, the whole time since season six but mm-hmm. i think to the drag race fandom that was like yes re- like Angela's redemption and she's had like <laughs> I, I think i saw a post from her today she's she's been performing that dua lipa song non-stop ever since milk it yeah milk <laughs> milk that i think it was it was so triumphant for her to come back so gorgeous it's, it's the best way it's it's the best end to that story you know and, and it starts a new one mm. now we're seeing her living her best life her new life yes um she's mm. transitioned and she just I, I think now this is the laganja i want to see yes so yes. happy and but yeah. don't go on drag race because i feel like they'll do whatever they can to try and manipulate it into something else she, she but if said, they do i really oh want God, to see what? her truth 
That's sorry to sorry to interject, but that made yeah. me it's so bizarre because I work with Wild of Wonder and I really like all the people, but mm. they were trying to step they actually invited me not to be on there to do makeup as like a makeup judge or whatever, but to actually be on the show in America this year. Really? They're yeah. an exclusive for you. What? To be on the season? season. On season yeah, 14? On wow. the new season they're doing right now. They wanted yeah. me to go and I was like, Well, have you called the have you called on the wrong person? I, <laughs> I think when Matthew Anderson was doing RuPaul's makeup, because Matthew mm. was really a guiding force and inspiration in my life, oh, I really looked up to Matthew. What an Andrew artist and what a genius. Yes, and I got the pleasure of meeting him. He worked with my personal androgyny channel. He was just a darling and sweetheart and a superstar. Oh. But I think, I don't know, like, I think because they're, when the Trixie Mattel and Catcher show came out, it yeah. was like I had a, a conscious disconnect from it because I just didn't get it. I, I, okay. I love Trixie, I love Katya. I didn't get that on oh, show. It was like, okay. it's like me watching Cartoon Network now. I just, I, I've never been into Cartoon Network. I was into anime. <laughs> okay. I never, they, I'm a different kind of character. And mm. I can't get into this reality show nonsense. I would never want to performatively get into an argument with someone for mm. their show because it gives me an opportunity to be on a show. I already got my own show. I had 100 million views on my social media before doing even tv so yeah. I, and they i think they wanted me to be on the show as a rival to someone they have booked are you, are you thinking the other british girl maybe i don't know her hi mariah exactly you crazy I don't, I don't have any beef with no one like mm. at all i wish everyone the best and especially people that need it like i i don't know what they were thinking i was like have they introduced a new team that don't know that i've done ring your bell i've done yeah. i'm friends with james and james he was just on my podcast which you can find at agitprop.world um, yeah. I, I was like what is going on here why do they want me on not even the uk one but the us one i was like have we have we got the email mixed up or something it was just yeah. really bizarre but i i just thought they must have made a mistake there. and then they sent me a follow-up and i was like okay that's not for me <laughs> Because as much as I could probably win the competition, I've already won a few. I don't <laughs> think that... <laughs> this is your all-stars. I'm already a winner. Yeah, so course, why am I yeah. here? Who oh, are yeah, you? So we don't pay we don't pay tax on prizes in the UK, honey. So I got double <laughs> what they got when they win. Um, but I I don't know. I was like, is that really all they're trying to do? They're trying to synthesize some sort of rivalry before. Mm. I'm so not doing that. I'm like, it's nothing. I would never want to be on a TV show with someone's nemesis i'm mama hen believe mm. it or not um i'm i've always been a nurturer with young drag queens i've put so many girls in drag for the first time and they've gone on to credit me and, and i i love it i want to mm. see people win more than i've ever done yeah. and i and thankfully i did a channel called perfect androgyny and i put lots of different people one from novimpia to arabia felix these are yeah. oh oh aren't they brilliant um yeah, yeah, yeah. just i look up in admiration to their talent it's brilliant mm. i love seeing other people win Mm. One of my good, good, good friends is John McClain, the fabulous I love John McClain. Oh, so eloquent and so gorgeous. Love John McClain. I've got to tell you, we had this wild, wild birthday party and I made a terrible flaw in my outfit design. I didn't glue the wig down and we got a tuck-a-tuck around London, very drunk. So John got off this side, I got off this side and unfortunately the tuck-tuck grabbed the wig and took the wig off as I left off. So it was left there hanging like tumbleweed in the background. You originated the wig reveal. So like, yeah, but unfortunately underneath it went from Naomi to Phil Mitchell, so it wasn't quite the look I think we were. Wanted to be. 
I, know, I, wait. I love seeing people win. Anyone who listens <laughs> regularly will know that I drop uh, the John McLean-ism of seamlessness every so often. Mm. <laughs> I love him. He's a lovely person. Good, good, good heart. Yeah. Done so well. I'm so happy for him. Mm. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you have to say about these new... It's not even new. They are... Uh, it's UK versus the world. So mm-hmm. I think we should, let's get into that. Um, before yeah. that, I got some quick questions, okay? It's quick fire questions for oh. you. Okay, they're five. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> one. I'm ready. What's your number one beauty tip, makeup beauty tip? Be happy and smile at people. That's a great one. I love that. Two. What's your biggest fashion no-no? Don't make clothes too small. Oh be God, realistic. That, that's me all the time. I'm Can sorry. you say that one more time? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> it's it's not it's not just about like it's funny because when you wear girls' clothes sometimes and you have a I'm six three so I'm yeah. a very tall creature. Sometimes yeah. it cuts you too short. You've got the knuckle of a moose. You don't want to look like that. You've got some back holes, back holes that you don't have in the morning. Just just mm. be realistic with yourself and and tell yourself the truth because otherwise. Behind you, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You don't know what you look like from behind. I keep t- Tom. So let me tell you, you, I want you to know this. Tom still tries to wear extra small. I used to fit into extra small. I'm Tom. I'm just kidding. That was biggest fashion. No, no. Okay, just, just, like just a, I'm just saying. Just Jojo like a, said it, not me. A spray three. Look, Question number three. What do you need? That, what do you never leave the house without? Chapstick. Um, and at the moment, um, uh, antibacterial hand gel. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I, uh, <laughs> you have the lips for chapstick, and I don't know, people can't see this, but you look really <laughs> stunning. So gorgeous. Jojo, you look you. really good. Like, <laughs> oh, I feel like, thank now you. I feel like we should have um, put a bit more <laughs> I feel like more effort in. I, no. We look like we're going to go to the gym. I feel like we're going to go to the pub in this time. We look really <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay. Number four. (laughs) Who pays on the date? Um, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. I love it. Number five. And I'll explain why before any anyone gets like too old. Jojo's talking like misogyny from back in the day. No, it's I've put my money into the amount of polyfiller that's coating from root to tooth. (laughs) You pay for the food. I'm going to eat very little. And I'm going to have a cocktail of spice. You buy the cocktails and I'll be pretty. Otherwise, no, I'm sorry. If we're at home, I'll cook the meal and buy the meal. But outside, no. That's that's my rule. Sorry. (laughs) And last quick fire question. What is your top travel destination for LGBTQIA plus? Oh, my God. Um, Well, I I was in Tokyo for a little bit when I was a teenager. I got to travel there when I was 17. And you modeled there, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah. It was just extraordinary. I was in Takadanababa, which is south of Harajuku. It's the university district. And it's. I was too young to go to clubs because you're 21 to drink, smoke and go to a club there. But I, I snuck into a few secret bars and it was just extraordinary. Like It was like we were living in two worlds. I was staying in a Ryokan, which is a rice paper inn. Mm. And we were talking to my family on Christmas because I was there over the holidays. And just as it got to my mum, it cut out. I spoke to all my family and then my mum and it cut out. And the woman felt so sorry for me that she said, so we're going to talk, we're going to tell you where my son's restaurant is. And I was like, why is she, why is she doing it like that? Mm-hmm. And the, the high street, we would walk up and down every single day to go to the station was a facade. 
because under the high street was a mall that no one western knew about okay. and the door knock 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 like Sinbad and then the 50 thieves or whatever it's called yeah. it was open and we went down these stairs there was like four layers because obviously a lot of japan was bombed so they yeah. rebuilt on rebuilt and they kept some of the structures downstairs that they don't share so That's they made us this bizarre italian mix with christmas dinner meal which was just <laughs> like a gesture of like they, they just wanted to look after me because i couldn't speak to my mum. but it was oh, like wow there's so a nice. whole other world I mean, I've been there. I didn't. I didn't get their treatment. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Harajuku. I've never got their treatment. You never but, got um, an amazing. Oh, <laughs> maybe I'll go back and I'll just drop. I'll drop a name. I'll drop a name. See how that goes. Knock on the doors. Yeah. Go along the street, knocking on the doors frantically. <laughs> maybe someone will open. They must have <laughs> gawked at you because I felt tall. And I'm only 5'9", 5'10", on, on social media apps. By the limit if I'm feeling a bit risky. But um, yeah. I felt tall when I was in Japan. I was like, wow, mm. you're 6'3". You, people mm. must have been looking at you nonstop. Yeah, and I had a David Bowie mullet at the time. Wow. I, I was looking very sort of... I don't know. Like Everyone used to say at that time, I looked like Mina Jozovic from Resident Evil and Fifth Element. Yes. Do you know her? I That's the that, poor yeah. little bit of the filler, but that <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I've had it in my lips, the lips of my mind. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I think people were, people were like, sometimes when you stand out, people just pretend you don't exist. It's like a weird thing. Like they go into like shock mode and they just don't look at you. Like they're like, if I look, I they'll exist. And sometimes I notice that because I used to wear heels mm-hmm. on top of being tall, <laughs> so I would be really, really tall in the day, and people would just because I grew up in Brighton, I was accustomed to everyone looking a bit odd. But <laughs> um, I don't know. It was it, it was fun. I like I like being there. I like doing it. It was fun to explore places, but that I really hated nighttime there. It just it was so busy, and it did the energy was like being in a circuit board. I don't even mm. know how to describe it. It was just flashy but quick, and then I was scared of getting home on my own because. I did sneak into a bar or two when I was way too young, and <laughs> it was just odd. But yeah, there you go. All right, my Japan story. Thank you. Those are the top questions. I think we should start getting into the queens now. Now, the first queen we're going to talk about, and this is more about the meet the queens, their promo look, and then a bit of discussion about the queens. The first queen okay. is Bagger Chips. Now, let's talk mm-hmm. about the look, the fashion, and the makeup. What are our thoughts? When I say our thoughts, I mean you two. <laughs> Most, okay. Mostly you, Jojo. Mostly you. Okay. Well, I, disclaimer, I've known Bag of Chips since she was an Amy Winehouse impersonator. Love it. She was an oh. Yes. But then why did you do so well in the lip sync? She was tiny. Uh-huh. She was um, really talented vocally. And she used to perform at a club called The Way Out Club, which was a trans-friendly club from mm-hmm. back, back, back in the day. She um, came down from the mid-Northlands of England and yeah, was in London West, a lot. She's West Brom, isn't she? Is it West she's Brom? up there. She's yeah, up yeah. there. We had a lot of mutual friends. And this was mm. in the very early stages and when T-Shack was the weapon, which was originally called granny shack with a t you <laughs> catch my dress that's allowed to say it so anymore i i, I we're, I, it's just so strange and even in like retrospect you can't say the name of things but anyway i, I, I um, find it so, sorry to interject Joe, i find it so strange when okay. people who belong to that community are kind of disallowed from saying it when it can be used as a term mm. of empowerment and it can be used in all sorts of ways 
I just think, yeah. Anyway, I've, I've never I've never used it in my vocab, but I know people that do because I mm. was kind of brought up by older drag queens and yeah. and trans women, and it's like using the word Vicky to describe a biscuit. It was yes. never meant as a slur, yeah, and I think. Yeah. It's it's difficult when you um when the people that are using public shame to control mm. different language movements and evolutions don't have the experience of being sad and given a hug by an older drag queen that calls you a silly old granny and yes. giving you a kiss. In the cheek. You don't you don't have that experience. So if the only experience you've had is someone throwing a brick at you with that word, you're uh-huh. gonna feel it's different. So I get it that it's you need to be a little bit more braver in this world. You can't think everyone thinks the same. And even if yes. someone doesn't think the same as me, I can get on with them. So that's that. But Bagger was she's an interesting character because she worked her ass off. Uh-huh. As much comedy as she puts into the jibe, she really was pounding the pavements, doing so mm-hmm. much stuff. Um, she's always been so sweet and, and supportive of my work, knowing that I was on the trans side of the, of the scheme we're talking about. But she always was supportive and asked me to do her makeup. I never got around to doing it. Um, but a real talented queen. Um, she's got a brilliant voice. She really has. Mm, she used to she be has. tiny, 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 petite looking, tiny little legs. And mm. I saw her do the Amy mannerisms almost perfectly. Yes. Um, so she, she's got a huge amount of skills. I think that on the show, because she knows the drag race was all about glamour and people mm-hmm. put a lot of money into their looks and she doesn't have an interest in being on. She's from the old the old guard. She yes. knows the Miss Jasons of the world, the Dave Lynn's of the world, like the mm. old queens that just show up and do the job. Yeah. She was more worried about showing British drag as British drag performative side. Like I she love wasn't the there comedy, to be music, on. performance before, yes. before like highly polished glamour. Yes, but if we're going to talk about the way she looks, which I will do, she reminds me somewhat of a Punch and Judy puppet in this gimmick with a share wig and a share costume, which I do think is quite lovely, but it's she's she's she knows what she's doing. She's fabulous. Yeah. I adore her. I can't criticize what I love. <laughs> she's a really lovable queen, isn't she? And I think I wasn't surprised to see her on this cast. I think um Obviously, the theme. I really love the theme for these promo looks. It was very kind of warrior princess kind of theme. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of like a Greco-Roman or sort of almost like Legend of Zelda vibe about what she's wearing. Um, Oh, my God. I love Legend of Zelda. So true. Oh, absolutely. And like... Do you not see the share look? So the share tall look? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Or almost a little bit Madonna at the Super Bowl. Um, Yeah, yeah. She had that kind of Greco-Roman thing going on as well. Yeah. but uh, one question we're going to ask about every queen is, is this a glow up mm. or a show up in the sense that has the queen had a glow up from her original season or has she just shown up? I don't, I, I, it's weird because I find this whole glow up thing so strange because I think <laughs> a lot of queens, they they are talking about the, their ability to execute their ideas well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Bagger's idea is to turn up looking like a supermodel from... Yeah. Her last season. Her idea is to execute being a hilarious queen and getting this crown. So, in terms of what she's done, do I think there's obviously the costume is much more developed and she's wearing a, a more sophisticated wig than she did in the first season. Yeah. But I don't think that she is the type of queen that wants a club. I mean, it's so <laughs> weird for me because I've ne- I think that like when I look back at my pictures from like 16 years ago now, 
we're in 2022 for god's sake um <laughs> i don't think that i've glowed up i think that it's like a different version of me a different incarnation like a charmander mm-hmm. is not yes. glowed up once it becomes a charizard Absolutely. it's just a different thing in its life do you know what i mean like and yeah. some of these queens they don't have the money and they put themselves in debt to get on the bloody show so oh that's such a big topic by the way love the pokemon reference always here for that <laughs> um, i saw the zelda yeah absolutely i see that i raise you a charizard but it, that's such that's a true. big topic of conversation as well well about... she looks like a jinx she looks like a bloody jinx oh she does look like oh jinx. my gosh that's, that's she's this is exactly <laughs> what it is I can imagine I can if someone just photoshopped everything purple and black. <laughs> yeah, that's Jinx. She's um, going to give a lovely kiss any moment, isn't she? And do a little dance. Not the American Jinx, the Pokemon Jinx. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's got so much to give. I think it's so right. She does bring a lot of what I'm. What I'm starting to understand is British drag, mm-hmm. quintessential British drag, which is performance and entertainment comes before for her the the makeup and the artistry in that sense and yeah. i think that's why they want her because i think she is very british i think we're enjoying seeing these uk season one queens on this version of the show because that that was the first season that we started podcasting we started doing that season uh, a because it's the first UK season, and B because we're in Liverpool and the Vivian was taking uh, part, and we knew the Vivian. Love Vivian. No, the Vivian. Oh, we knew, we knew the Tom. Let's yeah. not let's not we, lie we, about we our met, name drops. Her, you we, saw her once <laughs> in Superstar Boudoir. No, I saw her lots okay. of times, and then we met her outside of Home Bargains, and now we're friends. Um, <laughs> well, Vivian's lovely, and I've again I've known her since MySpace. I knew her when oh, she did yeah. the Jeffree Star look when she yes. was first on my face with the Westwood and the beautiful makeup. And I got the chance. I think it, I, like this is my foolish thing because I've been around everywhere. I was taking, I think it was Liverpool. And I met her for the first time in person when she was at work at one of the bars. And mm-hmm. I couldn't get my head around like, am I in Liverpool Leeds? Is it, I'm sure it must have been Liverpool. I just love her. I think she's wonderful. I really like her story. I've known her since the very early days when she did a YouTube series where she was drunk on like a train with <laughs> someone that was in questionable costume. <laughs> like, don't, I can't believe it was slightly blackface, the friend. I'm not even oh. sure. It was, there, there was a very unusual character that she was with. It was almost gremlin-ish. This is yeah. my memory. Maybe I've, maybe there's been a lot of alcohol over the years and this is my imagination. <laughs> but I'm sure there was a YouTube video series where she had orange hair and there was a gremlin on a bus that... <laughs> I love her anyway. <laughs> that sounds like a series that I want to watch. I feel like a weird connection as well because she's also from North Wales and moved to Liverpool, like me. So are you in North Wales? I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm from how fabulous! In North Wales. <laughs> the last thing about the last thing about Beggar is a lot of the time is especially when we're looking at the podcast, we're wondering where they fit in the narrative mm. or why these girls were chosen. Why do we all think that Beggar was selected from the UK cast? Is it because she she's is... TV? She's she she's good TV. TV. But you've got you've yeah. got to remember, like the way that drag was actually making money in England was not how drag was making money in America. To be mm. known as a drag queen in America, you had to be an impressionist and look exactly like a celebrity. You had mm. to be a pageant winner, which is where the Siliconization stuff started when people started to get surgery on the cheek. Yeah. And I, there's a wonderful old queen called um, Glamorous Monique. This is on my podcast, Magic Pop, which I spoke about her siliconization in the Mrs. Doubtfire house with all the surgeons that used to go, do all the trans girls when it was very early on. 
um, which is was fascinating for me because I'm like, my God, the extent people went to to get that phenomenal pageant title yes. or whatever it was, because that was the requirement to look like that. And then in New York, I think New York bred this sort of vibe of do your own thing. So there was like Lip Sinker and Joey Arias. Yes. Joey Arias was on TV with Bowie Such and Bunny pa- yeah. and Paul. In the Mugler. In the um, absolutely TV, Connie TV Girl, trying yeah, yeah, yeah. Susan Waddell. She, yeah. she was in the Too Funky for George video. Like, yes. the, the, it was different. But in England, to be actually employed as a drag queen meant you went to where the Navy ported and you entertained the troops. So, why would you want to look like a beautiful woman when you're with a bunch of horny skeleton on a boat? You don't <laughs> want to do that. You actually want to look like you're mocking the idea of a woman so a you can entertain them with dry satire, which is mm. where our drag came from. I mean, the, yeah. the people that were doing feminine polish drag in the UK were on TV. They had the barrier mm. of TV. If you're going to be in a in a pit with the sailors, yes. you ain't going to look like Barbie. You're going to run <laughs> for the hills, honey. So this is where the Lily Savages and the Dave Lynns and all those gorgeous people come from because they didn't want to be attractive. They wanted to get their payment. But yes. they were still advocates and they were still doing their, their tea. Like uh, Dusty O was also a UK queen in London. Mm-hmm. London was a bit different because it was more fashion directed, I guess. But yeah. you got the, the young queens, do your research because these are the, the legends that we have in our country that were different to American drag that have influenced drag race. Yes. And it's so interesting now to have that kind of it's almost like a melting pot on Drag Race UK now because Mm -hmm. you've got the history of British drag, which is exactly as you've described it. You know, I remember growing up seeing people like Daniel LaRue and... Exactly. um, you know, other people who are more comedic, like Kenny Everett, and that that, and obviously yes. Lily Savage, who was absolute primetime royalty in the nineties. <laughs> um, those people who, and again, it was about performance and comedy, but because it's judged by RuPaul, the American standards are blended, and I guess mm-hmm. the queens who go on the show, it's difficult for them, I guess, to reconcile those elements. I would imagine. I think so. And it's, it's all inspired by World of Wonder. There's like mm. three main people, now Matthew's not there, that come up with all these silly ideas. And it's based on things that have actually been successful for RuPaul. Mm. So it's all through that lens. I mean, RuPaul is, uh, is absolutely iconic and, and groundbreaking in so many ways. But my favourite drug queen is Dame Edna. Oh. And I, I, I appreciate wit a lot more. Yes. And I'm sorry that, that that might confuse a lot of the queens that or the young queens that watch Drag Race and really put it on a pedestal. But I just think like, my God, like I, it, as much as you can be the most beautiful thing in the world, like if you've got something that's almost repetitious or you don't mm. look people in the eye when you're on set with them, I'm sorry, but it's not cool. And, and I know a little bit behind the scenes stuff, which I won't go into, but it's, I mean, God bless everyone, but it's not its not how I would act if I was organising and being a producer and winning a lot of money and shows from, from a yeah. platform. I would engage the people that were on my platform oh, in, totally. uh, in a way that makes them feel that they're in my house, not yeah. in a studio. <laughs> anyway, that's some tea. <laughs> just, just, a, like, just a slight tangent, sorry, just because you mentioned Dame Edna. I always think of Dame Edna as being quite similar to Lily Savage in the sense that they were such a fully realized character that they could sit uh, on a talk show and just be that character and be the most hilarious person you've ever seen just by having some back and forth with the host. And um, again, there's that emphasis on character, personality, um, comedy over look. Um, 
and I completely... well, they 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 are they're in- intelligently making mm. fun of being a fool. Yes, in the same way that you look at Charlie Chaplin slipping on a banana, he's not yes. deliberately being clumsy. You're laughing at someone that is clumsy. I I saw it even Damon when he was Barry Humphreys on this mm-hmm. morning recently, and he said to Dermot O'Leary, who's the straight presenter, yeah. oh, "You're so brave." So for coming out. <laughs> oh, just one slight other aside yes. as well. It's like um this is why I find the storm in a teacup around Madimorphosis so interesting because there is a tradition, because obviously Barry Humphreys is a is a heterosexual. Right. And the, the, there's you know, it's not new for straight men to do drag. <laughs> There wasn't. I the, the person that I was assigned with when I opened Drag on UK the main stage was the Scaredy Cat from season one UK. Yes. Was he not with a girlfriend? Yeah, the boy. Yes, mm-hmm. I think they identified. So why wasn't there an uproar in the UK about him? Maybe we're just a bit more chill over here. I don't. I, I think because Scaredy Cat identified as bi. Bisexual, so, pansexual. So I think if so he was still under the, he was protected <laughs> under the umbrella. Yeah, that's that's what happened with Skitty Cap. Similar with, oh, um, well, they're all under, well, they're all under the umbrella of wearing a wig on a reality show. Yeah, over it. Oh, completely agree. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. What about like the next one from the UK is Cheryl Hole. Now let's talk about Cheryl mm-hmm. Hole's look. Um, I think this is very Captain America inspired, isn't it? Which is interesting when she's a British girl. Is it like a Captain Britain? Because there was that comic character Captain Britain as well, wasn't there? And it might be like um, a I version of that. Do you think it's that? Do you, do you know, are you not getting Sailor Moon? Oh, there's Sailor Moon in there too. Yeah, with the little there's tiara the and tiara. stuff. Paolo's our resident Sailor Moon fan. Um, and there's the little it's like sort Sailor of... Moon with Gem and the Hologram color scheme. Oh, I'm always here for Gem and the Holograms. I do think the star on the shield, though, is very evocative of Captain America. Some sort of Marvel I see that. I see. Yeah. I'm a big fan you, of Serena. You have to forgive me because I'm looking at these whilst we're talking. So I'm uh, analyzing in a video. But it's we love kind of the Xena reactions, Joe. Yeah, I, I saw Xena. And then I was looking mm-hmm. at the, um, the star kind of Captain America thing, which for me is very mm-hmm. reminiscent of what we kept on saying on the podcast is that she's a very it was very strange seeing a british queen who was just so very americanized yeah. everything about her was mm-hmm. Alyssa, and it was just and i think even the vivian said on the episode she was she said we're not like that what this is in america why is she why is mm-hmm. she doing that mm-hmm. so her having that shield for me is just kind of reminding me of how american drag influenced her so much in her persona i like that i think she also said in the confessional that i'm a star (laughs) (laughs) oh god can you remember you know so maybe there's a play on that because i think she said that in her meet the queens Mm. yes Yes. well that's what she said during the episode that's right. I think that was the only thing that went viral with the memes. But mm. I, I know her through an acquaintance. Well, my friend Lydia Escabies is in that girl band, the girls, the girls allowed to okay. band. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. my friend Lydia and I have been friends since a hundred years, and she did drag after Drag Race has started. But she's an amazing um, drag performer from Brighton. She works with another drag performer called Rococo. They do a thing called Cinebra, which is a fabulous show for you guys to watch. So she works with her, and I know she doesn't work with silly people, so I know that Cheryl's obviously <laughs> got a good heart. Yes. I don't know what I did. I didn't connect with her character watching the show. It was something that I found a bit sort of like, 
I am a super fan of the American show. Mm, yeah. I have learned from the American show to be a drag queen, yeah. which is not yeah. the same thing as being a drag queen. But yeah. she does dance, she does perform, she does do it very well, and she's she's a loud character from the first season. So God bless her. Mm. Especially but because I, I think- we just saw so many seasons of USA, and then finally we got a time. We got UK got its time to showcase mm-hmm. UK drag. Mm. So it was very for me off-putting to see someone who was kind of so Americanized. Not that it's bad, but I just wanted to, I just didn't feel like it was authentic. I felt like it was a bit forced. Mm-hmm. So I feel a little bit like uh, about how I felt about Lagan during season six in a way. And there, I think there are interesting parallels. It's like, I think it's like, like you said, Joe, there's a sweet core here. I'm sure there's a, there's a nice person and a fun person. And I just want to relax and be herself. That's all I That's want. Right. really. Um, and she's fabulously talented when it comes to performance and dance. I've seen so many YouTube videos of her performing, um, death dropping all over the place. I've seen her collaborating with Taste quite a lot and they do it. Yeah, uh, who I oh, Taste. Taste, so, I mean. Taste oh. is going to slay the next season of UK versus the world, obviously. I just, I like the fact that he, it's the same with Bimini. Like, I think when I saw Toast and Bimini on the, the it's not the second season, right? Second season, season yeah. Second season, it was like seeing what I do mm. on TV. Even though they're yes. not trans-identifying, then I think um, Bimini's non-binary. But non-binary, but yeah. it's, it was extraordinary. And uh, when I was working with Matt last year, because there were a couple of things behind the scenes with him, I was like, you fuck those bitches. You get them on there. <laughs> Yes. on their influencership because I just thought I was so proud of seeing how they had to, they just represented what Britain was about because I think there was this kind of mis- there was a stigma which I will talk about as well about Brighton Queens quote unquote because I'm oh. from Brighton oh I'm, I'm, Brighton. I'm Brighton actually Queens. from Brighton that's the Brighton I'm curse actually, yeah there is no Brighton curse because I'm from <laughs> Brighton and I did this before anyone in the UK did it so I don't mm. know what curse there is here the ones that are on the show from Brighton and I just met the lovely Anubis's mother who um, was incredibly charming to say that she saw my videos and I, and I was like, oh, the, the, the Anubis is lovely. God bless him. He's done a good job. Joe Black, I've known for many years. He's actually not from Brighton. He's from Portsmouth. Okay. So maybe we should say it's the Portsmouth curse. The Brighton, because Brighton <laughs> yes. people, firstly, Brighton people are completely different. We have a unique accent because we're a pocket between mm-hmm. the country and the seaside. Yes. We're not people that are in an urban environment all the time. There is also a country. So I live in a countryside in Brighton. I don't live in the city. Mm-hmm. So it's not as things that, that are portrayed. But I got so frustrated with that because I was like, how dare they say there's a curse on Brighton? Everyone <laughs> that, that I knew on from the old school YouTube days were from Brighton. All the queens that I knew that were talented, even ones I don't get on with that are fabulous, yeah. fabulously talented. I'll give them the credit. I'm from Brighton. So don't sit there and say there's no Brighton representation or is a curse. Because I'm honey, you got it wrong. Because that people are saying from Brighton. It's also kind of historically such a hub of of queer culture in the UK as well. Absolutely. Like when, I, when I was growing up, Brighton was basically a byword for that's where the gays go. <laughs> that's and where they freedom. flourish. Yeah. Freedom. Um, and people know their history here because we have old mm. queens that still work here, that's been working here for 40 years. Yes. So it's like we you always give credit to where credit's due. Anyway, mm. I just keep on going on tangents about all my opinions. <laughs> These are great <laughs> tangents. Tangent away, tangent away. What <laughs> about Blitz? The last queen from the UK is Blue Hydrangea. Okay. Now, from makeup queen to makeup um blue hydrangea girl, what are your thoughts? Um 
Well, the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is that she came onto the show with the eyeball look. Oh, yeah. I remember, Do you remember that. The... Yeah, now, hell, that yeah. look, exactly. There is an interview I did in 2016 with the brand Mayron, who do all the prosthetics. And they said to me, who are your makeup artists that you think are doing something different? And I said, um, let me just let me just get his name because I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget his name. <laughs> Mitchell, M-M, it's, no, 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 let me find it. Wayne Marshall, Wayne M.M. Marshall. So it's W-A-Y-N-E dot M-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. That's a boy from Australia who did that look. Right. He did that look and he did an, a whole series where he turned it down into like a dragon fruit and it was extraordinary because it was something different to what we've seen on social media mm -hmm. it wasn't a repetitious thing it wasn't a regurgitation of an idea that someone like me from youtube had done it was absolutely organic and new and i think jody harsh posted it on um, her instagram when actually this came out in 2016 and i just thought my god that was a it was such a brilliant thing and when Blue went on the show and mm. didn't say that I was inspired by social media, oh. it rubbed me the wrong way because I've been a victim of people ripping off of the looks I've done oh. or not giving me credit because they think that, oh, if you're on TV, you've got the power to almost smear other people's credibility by not giving them where I got the idea from. Do you see what Absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. It doesn't work like that in this universe. You always have to tell the truth about where your inspirations are. Mm -hmm. You really have to. It will always come out in the wash. Yeah. And it, I think because she came on and did that look, it immediately annoyed me. And I'm, it's nothing personal about her. She's <laughs> wonderful. I love Irish queens. I think Northern Ireland is, is fabulous. I just think that it was really weird that she did that. Yeah. And it was strange that she looks like I thought she was wearing one of those prosthetic breast bibs because she's got an orange stripe around her chin, which yeah. is kind of distracting in this trailer. Because I'm like, my goodness, you look like the Barbie with the head on the wrong girl. But <laughs> I think that there's a slightly mismatched necklace there as well that might be contributing to it. Um, it's honey it looks like someone's put a Doritos packet on her head, taking it off <laughs> and sitting on stage. It's an unusual look. It looks very off. I will um, say, I think she said on her Instagram that um, her inspiration for this was um, She-Ra, Princess of Power, which I do love. I love She-Ra, yes. Yeah. Love She-Ra. I, I think I can see it in the crown and some of the details. I think she said it was like, I think this is, might be a bit of a theme for a lot of the girls, actually, on, on this promo. It crossed with mm -hmm. Chromatica, because I think that's something that's kind of like bled through into the Queen's consciousness a little bit. Um that's true. I think that's true. I think that it's a beautiful colour on her. I'm I'm being silly as an artist. I actually am very <laughs> respectful of her. I think she's incredibly talented when it comes to the creative of her drag because I think she makes a lot of this, doesn't she? I think she does, yeah. I think what I'm looking forward to with Blue is I think of, of perhaps many of the UK girls, I think she's a girl who I saw like potential with that hadn't blossomed in that first season and in that sense mm -hmm. i think she's a good pick for all stars because i'd love to see her come back as a more well-rounded queen like i could see like mm -hmm. the grains of comedy the grains of performance i could see that she was visually creative um but yes like i want to see the well-rounded queen come back and that's what i'm looking forward to I'm not a. I'm, I can understand. I don't like it when people don't credit the original source. That I is, really that don't. Is, that mm -hmm. is an issue. Um, yeah. We've seen queens do that um, throughout the times, Tom. Um, namely, when Jan 
was inspired by looks, but she didn't say it. So in not saying that she's trying but to the claim karma, the karma is that her name had to change to go on the show. <laughs> yes, yes. The world doesn't work like that. You don't get away <laughs> with it. People ripped off my looks and gone on to promote it through the drag race audience and their nose has fallen off. Mm, karma no. is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> not the I, nose falling off. Like I, it's the nose falling off for me. <laughs> I, I can when I see certain um certain clips on YouTube or Instagram of dancers, there's certain movements done in sequence that is obviously it belongs to a choreographer or a creative yes. a creative and I and I know that like Paris, like yeah, it's, it's namely Paris Goble. So when I see sequences that are directly ripped off and they don't say they were inspired by that choreographer or their creative director i i don't like them i automatically yeah, I don't don't like them. yeah I, I don't like it because you're trying to claim someone else's creativity as your own by not naming right. that they were inspired so I, I think people need to be a bit more aware of that especially when they're doing it on a national big program that it always you're comes so back right. that it always comes it back. always this is what i don't think the young ones realize that Regardless of what we, we're talking about today with a TV show, you have to add with integrity in every business you do. You can't mm. go around snatching ideas from people, not paying them for what you do. It always comes out in the wash. It always yeah. will be out revealing. And it's sad that I think a lot of people, because I think it doesn't come from malice. I think it comes from insecurity. A lot of these gay guys um, have not had the visibility in the gay scene. It's mm. very hierarchical, I think, sometimes, where you have to look like this porn star aesthetic to be noticed. And mm. they do drag, and it's their first time being applauded for being themselves. Yes. And it, it, it really, really, um, unfortunately, they, they're scared of letting that go. And mm-hmm. that is why they don't want to share the power, because they think the power comes from the disguise. It doesn't. They've been able to be themselves with the yep. disguise on. They take the mask off, they can still be themselves, but they don't get it yet. Yes. That's something that I, I, I've noted since the get-go. Since the get-go. And they eventually get it. You see people progress. You see queens, as we saw with Laganja. Mm-hmm. But it's the disguise is just like the, the boat to get you to where you need to be. You can take off the drag and be that, that person anyway. You didn't need to worry about all the the clownery outside. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> anyway, it. Just, just as a kind continue. of like little aside, actually, just you, we've just seen our first three UK queens. Uh, you know, it's UK mm-hmm. versus the world. And I think it's such an interesting format. And the, the suggestion or the rumor is it's going to be a wandering, almost Eurovision style annual event now. So perhaps next mm-hmm. year we'll have Holland versus the world, Espana versus the world, Thailand versus the mm-hmm. world. Um, and it's going to wander around. So these are three UK representatives this year. I'm just kind of like trying to think a little bit of their track records and stuff going in. I know that Bagger had like three wins. Um, I don't think Cheryl had any wins. Actually, Cheryl had no season. wins. And then Blue High Ginger had one win from Frock Destroyers. So, so it's a joint win from Frock Destroyers. Um, mm. Bagger comes in there as potentially a formidable competitor who's, you know, for the RuPaul Drag Race format, which is what this is, she can really smash challenges. So of those three, I see her as the biggest contender. But, you know, if Blue has been this more well-rounded person, she could bring up the rear a little bit. Yeah, Cheryl, I see yeah. being there for her kind of sweetness. Um, the kind of appeal that she seems to have for people and maybe maybe a bit of a lip sync assassin or something. Depends on the format. I don't know what the format's going to be because I don't know how many episodes there's going to be with this amount of queens. 
So do we know that yet? We don't yet, actually. And can I just say as well, I find the number nine very interesting. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a secret tenth queen. And we think it's going to be Envy Peru. It, the rumor was it's going to be Envy Peru, winner of Drag Race Holland. She's going to be one. pulling a BB Sahara. Yes. Well, I did meet a couple of the Drag Race Holland girls out of drag recently. Oh, really? And it was there was an older man queen who does like a comedic thing. I haven't watched Holland, so forgive that- me. But there was a- Tabitha. Forget- there were, I can't even remember what the name is. Um, I met them very, very, like, probably about two months ago. Two months ago. There was the one that was on the, the one that's on the show. And then there yes. was an older queen who kind of looked sort of, thought, I wouldn't describe him as handsome, but he was together as in, like an older gentleman. And the, on the show, when I watched the clip, he was like comedic, like the gym. That was such a I saw, I saw her and I saw, the one that this one recently. Janae, JK, so they, they did no, they did a um the tour. We had tickets to it, mm. but they got rearranged. But they got rearranged, so yeah. we couldn't see them. Well, they were in Brighton, um, staying here, um, and I bumped into high and by. But maybe that's some tea that you've just spilled. Yeah. See, I forgive me because I haven't seen the Holland and I haven't seen the um the Thai. That's okay. We can the tie entry. I can is give very, the opinion. Yeah, of course yeah. you can. I love the queen, but I haven't seen the show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's on tie. Let's talk about Pangina Heels then, because Pangina Heels is oh, going oh, in yeah. there as the only queen. She's the only queen who actually has been a participant in the show. She's been there as a judge. Mm-hmm. Now she's going from mm-hmm. a judge to being a contestant, which I think brings a lot of its own good drama. But let's just discuss the look first. I my first really gorgeous i actually posted this yesterday and i thought that like the armor elements were very you know that amazing mugler god rest his soul by the way so sad about it i know i'm wearing a mugler um thing you guys can see beautiful oh yes for the for the original um from the show's mugler jewelry anyway again again everyone we just me and tom just look homeless right now (laughs) and then we and then and then jojo's just looking like this stunning creature beauty she is um (laughs) (laughs) like you know the kind of iconic you know mugler like armor bodice and stuff the nadja Auerman look i think it was it was it 95 uh, that's been replicated and redone so many times i feel like the bodice is a bit that and then the chain mail is very like alexander mcqueen joan or paco raban that kind of thing yeah i love the blending of those elements it's kind of like an Aaliyah, like an Aaliyah, mm. excuse me. Yes, um, like Grace Jones, structural yes. thing in Chainmail. I think it's very much that. But I think you're on the ball. It's a, it's a Mugler um, regurgitation, the Nadia mm. Almond look. I think Beyonce mm. wore it with the Sweet Dreams video. Yes. Um, in silver. Mm. Um, I think the makeup's beautiful. She has got the most fantastic costumes, this queen. And mm. it's interesting because I think... Uh, it, she looks, she doesn't look exactly like the makeup is from Drag Race, yeah. which from my perspective is is a big gold star because I think so many people are so scared about losing the Drag Race aesthetic because they won't mm-hmm. get the fan base support. They don't wear less makeup. Like she's not even got eyebrows. She's just got a glossy eye. Yes. That's a fashion eye. That's that's not a drag eye. And she's pretty enough to pull it off. And I think, I, not that you can't be, if you can look whatever for whatever offer. So I didn't mean to imply that, but oh, no, I, th- I think it's great. 
I think it's great. And I love that it's a dark silver, not a platinum. I think it's gorgeous. Mm. Um, goes with her beautiful skin. Um, yeah. She's got Fab. fabulous bone structure, hasn't she? Just um, the FYI, um, I'm very much tea or coffee when it comes to my uh, <laughs> description <laughs> of fashion, where I'm wearing a green fabric that is on my body. That is how <laughs> that's 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 as fashion as I can get. You have opinions. You have opinions. Yeah, but Tom doesn't let me have. Yeah, but you know if it's right or wrong. You know yeah. if it's a, you know if it's yeah. wrong. It, it, so you know, mine like is usually in a in a in a in a plastic wrap. You'll be like, girl. Thanks. Quite right for you. <laughs> I just think it looks good. I, I'm. I mean, she fulfills the brief. She's a warrior princess. Um, she liked my post, by the way, and commented. Um, oh, so, good. So, <laughs> I think. Um, I know, right? My ego. Um, what one thing I do, I am looking forward to is her bringing a completely different sensibility to the table. We're so used to, mm. uh, well, predominantly American drag. You know, peppered with. Well, European, really, you know, UK, and we've seen Espania, Italia, Holland, um, and she's going to bring something different. She is actually known as like a really phenomenally famous queen in Thailand. She's like the RuPaul of Thailand. She's mm-hmm. really up there. Mm-hmm. So I think this girl's a real contender, and she's a judge. You know, um, she's <laughs> well. <laughs> she, I, I hope she's a contender because she'd have egg on her face otherwise. But well, I, girl, I think... they put that Brooklyn as a judge, so it doesn't mean you're a legendary <laughs> queen. It just means you're a ballet dancer with a wig on. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's a that's a shade rattle moment. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not shady because it's not about the fact that he's not a talented producer, host, and whatever he does on on the TV. But you, it's a new drag queen. Yeah, there's drag queens that have been doing this for a long, long time. That like actually Jackie B. Oh, Jackie B. Had the original version of Drag Race before RuPaul Model Wonder did it. Yes, I'd heard. I that don't know if you well. know this. Mm, no. Why are they not putting um, the Peaches Christ on to write the Completely show challenges? Agree. Why are they not? bringing Coco Peru on to yes. do a comedy judging. Exactly. These people are actually working for the industry of drag yeah. on a global scale, and yes. they should be given the credit. And I'm sorry, but if you're putting Preach. a new queen on your show as a franchise judge, mm. can we not just introduce the queens that have actually worked their ass off for 40 years almost? On we the have show been too? singing that song yes. for so long. We've been Why is RuPaul are not using all these pioneers, these drag queens, on the judging panel, why aren't they using them right. for, for writing stuff, for the creativity part? It's, it's, it's so that's true. Right. And I th- always think that's a little bit of a contrast with Dragula, who is so keen to bring on Peaches and Coco. They've and both well, that's what the contrast was, I think, with Peaches, because Peaches was actually asked and approached, from my understanding, to do a thing on drag race. Yeah. But once she said yes to Dragula, they pulled... Back on it. There's no, some behind really? the scenes too. Oh mm-hmm. wow, that's T Joe. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the politics. Well, I, I know these people. I know from behind the scenes people and friends of friends. But mm-hmm. it's it I think that the show is just they're so tight and protective of what they've built. They don't they don't want to show someone that actually is as funny as Lady Bunny. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because Lady Bunny and Rue are like old school, old school friends. I think yeah, Lady totally. Bunny is probably the best, most hysterical comedian in the drag world. And uh, also, ever. She's so, so intelligent funny. <laughs> and politically aware as well. Yeah, she? she's just a genius. She's a funny old thing. I, I've been <laughs> desperately trying to get her on my podcast, but I think she thinks of me as like a little YouTuber. She doesn't quite understand <laughs> that I'm, I'm mad as a hatter myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I'm sorry to cut it short, but this is part one of our UK Virtue of the World special with Joe Harwood. If you've enjoyed it and you want more, make sure you stay tuned because parts two will be coming out very soon where we discuss more about the other queens, um, the rest of the queens that we haven't yet discussed. If you want to find out more about Joe Harwood, make sure to check the show notes because all the links are going to be there. Make sure you join and follow us as we podcast through UK Virtue of the World coming up very, very soon. And again, Check out for the special part two.